brothers and sisters, today we are here to pick up the broken pieces of our cleansing and pull it together into this church of heavy metal on Thunderdome Metal Reviews. I am the Reverend Benjamin Lindsay, and I actually am a reverend. With me, as always, is Tracy Newport of Awaken Metal Hammer Reviews. How are you doing out there, Tracy? I'm doing good, and I didn't know you were actually a, a reverend. Universal Life Church, baby. So you could officiate my wedding. I can. I could actually legitimately officiate your wedding. (laughs) Though if you're a person of faith, you might want to get an actual, you know, person who believes to do it as opposed to me. But I would be happy to do it for you. Um, Hmm. Interesting. I'll I'll run that by the missus. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Whenever we eventually get married. Whenever that blessed day comes. Today we were here to talk about the fourth, I think, studio album. And I just looked at that and had forgotten. Uh, I don't know. Yes. Podcasting while drunk. Or drinking. Drinking. The third. While buzzed. The third. While drinking the third. It's the fourth. I was right. Oh, I guess Spotify doesn't have the rights to one then, because it's only given three, or it's only given two before this one. Indeed, sir. The fourth studio album by the New York outfit Prong Cleansing, released on January 25th of 1994, the year that I graduated high school, because I'm old as fuck, has a runtime of 57 minutes and 51 seconds. The lineup is John Beckdell on keyboards and programming. Tommy Victor on vocals and guitar. Tommy Victor would go on at a later date to play with Danzig. And I think some of our listeners may know him more from that than necessarily the prong stuff. Ted Parsons on drums and Paul Rabin on bass. Uh, Paul passed away in 2007, so rest in peace, Paul. And yeah, man, what'd you think? Um, For me, and you said something at the end of the last podcast that kind of made this quick. A little more than what it had, as you said, is a New York take on Southern metal. And so I immediately went to Biohazard meets Corrosion to Conformity, and it fits. Yeah, no, it's totally a little bit of the New York hardcore sound, you know, incorporating the Pantera sound, even though I don't know, I don't really hear that much Pantera in here, but I do hear a lot of Crowbar. So I guess you can, you know, the the diffusion of the Pantera sound. Well, I'm getting. Granted, my experience of corrosion conformity is limited to deliverance. So, like, that's... I'm getting corrosion conformity deliverance meeting biohazard. It took a few listens for it to really kind of settle in. Since it is kind of really out of my wheelhouse. I also caught bits of, like, Fear Factory ministry in it as well. Like, it's a little bit of a technical aspect to it. Hmm. I didn't really pick up on that, but okay. Well, occasional, like, you'll hear the occasional, like, industrial sound to it, industrial bit, and I'm trying to think of what song they were. And there's even a little bit of a Tom Morello sound and Broken Peace with the guitar playing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I thought it pretty decent this is my first experience of prong and like i said before we started recording prior to hearing this for some reason i always thought prong was some kind of proggy band so (laughs) obviously i was uh then you were sorely disappointed i'm sure since it's not a proggy band 
Well, maybe more like Primus. I always thought they were kind of more like a Primus. Maybe not so much Prague, but more Primacy, a little more I mean, experimental. Yeah, which... I, I would consider Primus Prague, so I can kind of see that. I think experimental might be a good um, other take other than Prague for Primus. Yeah. And so that was a little bit of like, okay, as I heard it, um, a couple of songs really kind of, well, let's, we'll hold that one up. But some, for me, some songs really kind of like click. I was like, okay. And some of like, mm, okay, this sounds kind of familiar in the sense of what we had done previously. I'm trying to see if we got recording dates real quick and see if we've released any albums that we've done with Pizza lately on there. Uh, a few, not a lot, not a lot, but, uh, you know, like they kind of fit into like, a similar vein for me as the corrosion conformity did. And like I if without looking at it, I wouldn't expect that these guys to have been from New York City. And but it did sound thematically and sonically different than the other southern metal bands we'd listened to. Yeah, this um to me this sounds very much New York only because of Tommy Victor's voice and he has a, a what I consider to be a very New York accent. And I it doesn't I think it does a good job of incorporating the New York or Northeast hardcore sound and the Southern metal sound. I will say that I don't necessarily think all the songs on this album are that strong, but the when it clicks, it is awesome. And I think we'll use that as a bridge to start talking about the songs. And I'll look well, real first. I'll I'll agree with you in that one. Is like some of the songs kind of like, mm, like and some are are catchy too. Like they're whose fist is this anyway? Snap your fingers, snap your neck. Um, and broken piece. Those songs are like, but they I would agree that I I'd say that those click, but it seems like. A lot of their, some of their songs really kind of like click into the whole like catchiness as well. You're kind of like, okay, okay. And like that earworm for you. At least I noticed that and I was like, I don't feel like it took a lot for me to really like, okay, not to catch the song. Is that, you know what I'm saying? Like it, it's kind of like you listen to that. I think an example for me would be like Show Yourself from Emperor of Sand. Like the yeah. second time you hear that song, you know the chorus by heart and it's just really there with you and like these songs while listening to them but once you hear that chorus you know what they are yeah there's a certain minimalism to this that i agree with that that you can vibe into the song and i don't know that the on all the songs anyway i don't know for an album that all the choruses are super catchy and, and get you to sing along which is kind of more of a hardcore thing than i think it is anything else um, but there's enough of that there that you can vibe into it and really find yourself singing along if you want to. Uh-huh. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, just kind of thumbing through it, I do like how some of these songs also do kind of, mm, what's a way, they kind of take a step back from the Southern and hardcore sound and occasionally kind of do like, like what's really sticking to me that when I was discussing this is like no question parts around that chorus and verses in there where they kind of do a little bit more water on the guitar and pull back on the drums a bit. 
Is that making sense? Yeah, it is. And so, like that, and like I think they do a good job of like. I'd say this is almost a perfect representation of New York, and if you were to look at metal and just like it's a smorgasbord, potpourri bowl of everything. <laughs> yeah, and I think your your comparison of it's a biohazard is interesting. Because I do think that they have some of the same elements of biohazard. It's just what they're combining them with is totally yeah. different. Yeah, and I think part of it, the biohazard, it sticks out to me. And I'll pull it up. And uh, his – I'm trying to remember. Okay, here it is. On their Spotify list, when you look at their about information, he goes uh, – Tommy Victor is quoted in saying this. His prong was definitely a lower east side band. We weren't a bunch of kids in the suburbs playing garages. We were part of the whole art scene. The same scenes as street artists like Keith Haring and, oh, Busquat, Busquit, B-A-S-Q-U-I-A-T. I think he's the one that did the Biggie Smalls picture that's real famous. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there. it was a rig about for me. But he was saying it's, it was a... It was poor Ukrainian immigrants, biker gangs, and drug acts. Nobody wanted to live down there. And I feel like you're kind of getting that. That's kind of where I'm also putting with biohazards because these are guys, at least from that statement about them in the band, that they did grow up in the rougher parts of the city in the 1986 and New York City's when they first started forming the band. So, I mean, you're getting this rough New York, like the Ninja Turtles New York, <laughs> that wasn't everybody didn't want to live there. Not the friends bullshit. Yeah, without a doubt, this was totally not friends and fuck friends, by the way. Um, but definitely, this is from a New York, and you know, it's kind of the same things we said with biohazard. So I don't really want to rehash all that, but they are from a part of New York that I don't know that necessarily exists anymore. Okay, uh, I'm gonna butcher his name when I try to say it again, but it's he's known for neo-expressionism art, and if you've seen Luke Cage. There, I think in the second season they replaced the main picture in one of the scene and one of the primary scenes in the show or settings in the show. They replaced a, the biggest smallest picture in it with this, with one of his works, and so that's where I knew him from. But okay, would you spell his name again? Uh, B A S K U I A T. Oh, Basquet. Yeah, Basquet. Okay. So. That's where, and so like he grew up, like these guys came from this area. I don't say quite horror Renaissance, but you know post horror Renaissance. Oh, where there's by, a, like a close to a decade, yeah. Yeah, our century almost. And horror Renaissance is like the ten, nineteen tens. And yeah, into the nineteen twenties. So look at me knowing my history. Sometimes what? Well, it's almost like you uh, have a graduate <laughs> degree if you would just fucking finish it. Oh. <laughs> a year and a half I'll probably be like alright time to get to work on this <laughs> well you might want to do it before then but that's neither here nor there well right now I gotta get through this COVID-19 bit <laughs> totally totally yeah if I'm gonna die in two weeks from a virus uh, let's not worry about my master's degree <laughs> but these guys and you can definitely kind of see their sound and where it would have evolved from, like, the, their surroundings and settings that they grew up in and experienced in the process of forming as a band and then on. 
So songs, man. What did you like? What did you not like? For me, and these guys had a good job of uh, catching me off guard when I was listening to them. Like, I think the night I was cooking dinner, I was dancing in the kitchen listening to the song. <laughs> I was listening to this album. I don't exactly was. You were dancing but, in the kitchen to this? Which song were you dancing to? Oh, I don't know. Just something. It was them. Uh, <laughs> so, for me, whose fist is this anyway? One outnumbered. Not of the Earth and No Question were really like the four songs that stuck out to me. And Oh, Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck is just a catchy chorus that every time I heard it, like, I know this song. Got it. Yeah. And I think that kind of shows the difference in our age again because to me, this, you, you could almost say that this is a one song album because Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck, in my opinion, is so good. And it was, it was everywhere back in the day when this came out. <laughs> Uh, that was on Beavis and Butthead, you know, um, it was ubiquitous amongst metalheads, I'd say. I think Who's Fist is this anyway, and that actually kind of shows the humor that the band has that I think is kind of forgotten, but uh, Who's Fist is this anyway is a very clever title. Mm-hmm. Um, you were about to ask me a question. I was going to say, how much did Beavis and Butthead influence your music, your listening and music, or musical taste? I don't know how much it influenced my actual musical taste, but it did introduce me to a lot of bands. Because, I mean, we have to remember that that was a time when you couldn't preview albums. You had to buy them. So they introduced me to a lot of bands that I don't know that I would have had a chance to check out other than through their show or through Headbangers Ball. Um, So it was influential. I mean, I would say that it was very influential. I don't know how much it shaped my actual musical taste but it did give well that's me what i was meaning how many bad. bands you think you found oh god um, them just just resigning three thousand the shit out of music videos and just, a like, lot okay. i mean i don't have i don't have an exact number on it but a lot of bands from this time period yeah i'm pretty sure that i discovered henry rollins through them this band white zombie it was either through them or by pantera wearing a white zombie t-shirt on one of their videos you know and that's that's what it was like in the early 90s though dude it's like it was shit yeah. like that there was a band you liked if they were wearing another band's t-shirt on stage it was like oh cool let me check them out because this band i like is wearing them none of this release radar you listen to this on spotify check this out hell no none of that at all <laughs> <laughs> okay well i i remember that life for a very short period of time because i mean that's that was my 12 to 16 year old really before kazaa and all of them kind of parked up and before i had really internet access to computer download that stuff yeah so like i remember watching mtv2 headbangers of all i didn't watch mtv because mtv just showed pop shit i didn't want to watch it but mtv2 <laughs> you occasionally sneak they to do some heavier stuff that and at the time that really popped my head, we had a satellite. And satellite used to have the, not quite XM, mm-hmm. before XM was a thing, but they had their own like music channels. Yeah. And I always remember that my first listen of ever hearing Slipknot, I think, was People Equal Shit on one of those radios, yeah. on one of those radio channels. Well, they put the title as People Equal People Eat Bullshit instead of People Equal Shit. Mm-hmm. 
And I was just like, I can't find this song. And then I actually found the, got the album, listened to it. It's like, I ain't the right name they told me. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, I kind of remember that life. And I'm going to I'm gonna throw this out here. It fucking sucked compared to now. Like, Oh, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, I'm nostalgic for having my CD collection that was 500 discs, but I do not miss buying music in that environment. Because I can remember when it was an innovation, when, like, the local, was it a disc jockey or something else? I don't even remember now. But anyway, one of the local record stores got a thing where you could take the CD up and scan the barcode, and it would, like, play you one or two songs, you know, like, 30-second sample one or two of the songs on there so that you can kind of get an idea yeah and that was fucking groundbreaking dude i uh, well i remember oh it was fye in the mall oh early 2000s when you went to go over there and listen to music and if you're going to pick an album up they'd have like pre-selected albums all kind of like lined up on these tracks that you could put in it'd play like a 30 second clip of a couple songs and you could be like oh, i guess i'll get this one or i guess i'll get this one yeah you know <clears throat> I'm like, I don't know how I would have handled buying music back in the day compared to even like I had a big one of those big, you know, four disc each side CD binders when yep. I had my first car that disappeared at some point in time. Who the fuck knows when that was full of shit. But I mean, I don't know how I would have been able to handle it because I feel always felt like they had always put their their best songs as those three samples and then the other like. Metallica was great about putting their first three songs on those, and then the rest of them were shit. Reload, <laughs> load, uh, Saint Anger, and that's more of the whole album. But I was young then; I was fourteen. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, I mean, there was a time, and that there's a reason that you know me and David Lynch, not David Pizzo, um, say that if an album has more than X number of songs, it's a good album. Because we took a chance on so many albums because we would hear a single and really like it. And in some ways, this album was like that. I heard Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck and loved that song so much that I sought this album out and bought it. Now, luckily, there are some other good songs on here, so I didn't feel like it was a, a waste of my $15 or whatever it was at the time. But that that was just how you did it. You would hear like a, the single and be like, fuck yeah, or fuck no, and kind of go from there. Yeah. And there was a period in my life, it's not so much anymore, like if I heard a single, I was like, I don't want to listen to this band. They're not a band I know. I want to listen to what I know. And so it was hard forever to get me into something new or try something different and try something new. But once I got over that, I've, 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 I've come to find a lot of new stuff. <laughs> yeah, my how the worm has turned on that, indeed. Yes, yes, indeedy. Well, um, was there, I guess, anything on this album you didn't like? There's nothing that I consider bad, but most of the songs I just think are, honestly, I kind of think of them as filler, other than Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck, mm -hmm. um, Broken Peace, Whose Fist Is This Anyway?, Home Rule, you know, those are the ones that really stick out to me. Everything else, I think, is, eh, okay, solid enough. Yeah. And it's very interesting because at the time that I bought the album and it had those three songs that I really liked, 
I guess actually four songs, three songs, two songs that I really liked, four songs I thought were good. I, w- I would consider that a good album. I don't necessarily do that anymore, and you'll see that reflected in the grading. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of fall on the other side of the line of like some of the humorous stuff, and I think it might be... I don't know what it is, but some of it, like the snap your finger, snap your neck. I think I feel like this about the way you felt about Sludge and their mm. song titles. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm on that line with this one instead of the Sludge. I just kind of like, uh, okay. It kind of works. Uh, outside of that, I mean, this is really in a genre that I'm not real versed in not really don't really know a lot about and so it's just and i'm familiar with and so part of it's that unfamiliarity with it is too but this isn't i mean this and we've we've done a good job spoiler alert for the past couple albums we recorded especially pizza of kind of breaking my uh unfamiliarity with these southern rock metal bands or southern metal bands with a breaking over the wheel with some of these albums that have come out because we've been putting them out at a pretty quick pace, I think. We've recorded them. We haven't really put them yeah. out yet. Some of them. But, <clears throat> but you get what I'm saying though is we're kind of like, hey, you don't know these. Well, you're going to know them now and just here. <laughs> yeah, I think that the 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 industry term that is used for them is groove metal as opposed to southern metal. Um, and I do de- definitely think this is a groove metal band and not necessarily a southern metal. But I think that most of the Groove metal that is good is southern metal, if that makes any sense. Yeah, because I think part of it requires, in a sense, that country draw that southern metal provides with that twang. Yeah, totally. Although, you know, again, I respect this this album and this band, and uh, Tommy Victor, I think, does really good stuff and has gone on to do even better stuff. So I guess it's time to grade this beach. Alrighty. You want to go first or you want me to? Uh, I'll, I can go first. Okay. Well, I did find some stuff that, you know, I connected with and some stuff that just kind of fell flat or I don't want to say fell flat, but it just like didn't connect with me on that. I'm going to give this a solid B. I don't hate the album. I might go back and check it out. I did pull three or four songs from here to put on my playlist, but it's not going to be, I'm going to go back and listen to this album on a very consistent basis. Well, that's pretty funny, because I'm pretty sure that you gave this a, a higher grade than I'm going to. <laughs> oh. Man, I'm a softer grader than you are, too. I want to say three, then I'm done to get to fucking learn the shit, because you're stupid. <laughs> um, so as I look... And think about grading this. I'm trying to balance my love of the song Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck with my meh of the rest of the album. Aside from the songs I listed. And given that, when I look at our grading rubric and I see that a few standout tracks is a C. I'm going to give this a C. 
because I think Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck is a great song. I think Broken Pieces is a very good song. I think the other two that I mentioned, Home Rule and Whose Fist Is This Anyway, are good songs. And the rest of it really is just filler. And I like groove metal a lot, but this, while a decent album doesn't quite have enough good tracks on it to make it a good album in my mind. Alrighty. I need to refresh myself with that rubric. I think I've gotten soft on my grading. Or maybe I'm easier to please. I don't know. That might be it too. Maybe. I mean, you know. Um, hey, if I was grading again, and I'm going to go back to something that I said on Traveler. If I was grading these songs, if this was a song review podcast, Snap Your Finger, Snap Your Neck would be an A or an A+, because I love that song a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, and shout out again to the deceased Mr. Raven, because the bass is part of what makes that song. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that musically, that this is, a, everybody does their part on this, and it's solid all the way through. It's just, there's there's the ratio of good to great songs to mediocre songs, for me, just isn't there. Yeah, I got you on that one. I feel you. Word, word. Word, word, word. Thunderbird. All right, then. Um, what are we doing next time, my man? On our next podcast, join us as we take a look at the 2019 album from Korn, The Nothing. And if you follow my Colloquial Metal Hammer reviews, you'll see this landed on my album of the year list. Come to find out why. Yeah, I'm, I'm very... I'm looking forward to that quite a bit because I don't think I've listened to Korn since their third album when the name of that album escapes me at the moment. But it's been a long time. Let me just say that. Um, I was in early on Korn, and then I guess I kind of got out early. So probably like Untouchables to... was probably your last album because that's where most people fall off at. Um, I got out after Follow the Leaders, so I was. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Uh, while listening to nothing, I recommend you go check out the Untouchables too. Uh, I shall certainly do that. Um, I might have listened to Issues, but I, I think Follow the Leader is probably where I checked out. Oh. Anyway, I'm looking forward to checking this out. Thank you for listening. Join us next time. Um, if you think that this is the greatest album of all time, hit us up. You can find Tracy at Cloaca Metal on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Dangerously. Again, thank you for listening, especially in this time of forced solitude such as it is and we'll catch you next time on Metal Reviews Ah. stay metal y'all